way to put y'all up on something, man. Yo, when you see something ill, you know what I mean? That shit is woke, man. Anything ill you see is woke. Nigga have a big six at the curb, that's woke, okay? Especially if he got the fully equipped kid on it, it's woke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, I had this bad bitch in town, she was woke. Had me fucked up in the head, I mean, Echoes from the void, everyone knows. Whoa, yes, people. A, a flashback to 2000 when Bad Boy was something, you know what I mean? And Black Rob was kicking it hard. Whoa, I just remember going to the clubs, man, and this would just come on, and, and my boy King C, and we'd just be like, ah, yeah. It's awesome, man. But, um, you know what I mean? It's been an interesting week, people. Started off limping like a motherfucker. I thought, because, you know, I sometimes walk into shit. So, I, 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 and I especially do it at night. So, um, I wake up and I'm, I've got bruises and shit. I'm just like, what the fuck did I do? So, I thought maybe I walked into something. And, um, yeah, so I'm just limping around like a motherfucker. And then, um, yo, my, my parents came to drop something off at my place. And I'm working from home, so I'm just chilling. Uh, and uh, they just come in. And, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm just chilling, man. So, I've, you know, I'm just in sitting in shorts and a T-shirt working. And they're just like... Why the fuck is one foot double the size of the other one? I'm like, oh, is it? I didn't, I can't see that. So, yeah, had to run to the hospital. <sighs> Try and get it sorted out. So, just been on some crazy meds that, oh, man, make you feel like shit. But, yeah, you know what I mean? You still got to live, right? So, um, yeah, met up with some friends. We went to a, a street market. That was like, ah, incredible, incredible food. And then just another, some fun things. Had a really good meeting with the Canvas crew again. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to have some fun shit dropping um, in the near future with those cats. So I'm really looking forward to that. And remember, people, if you're around Liverpool Street, Go down to Canvas. There, it's a vegan cafe, and they have the most incredible cakes. Trust me, the cakes are phenomenal, and they've got a whole heap of kind of well-being-based events and stuff. So there's comedy there. There's yoga. They're just about to launch some. I think it's death metal yoga, which just sounds crazy insane. But yeah, it, it, it's well worth checking out. They're great people, great food, and it's by Liverpool Street. It's very close to Liverpool Street Station, just kind of past Spitzfield Market. Um, yeah, I put the address in the um, details of the episode. So um, yeah, man, let's get to it, okay? Okay. 
So it's really funny because, well, when I say funny, I don't mean funny, ha-ha. It's just when the Harvey Weinstein stuff broke and, you know, he got arrested and taken down, like, people seem to think, oh, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, they had got rid of the scourge of Hollywood and there was no more issues. And they also thought that the women weren't, they weren't a party to a lot of the shit that was going down. So, it's interesting when you find out about um, Kevin, um, ooh, Tushahara? Tushahara. Um, yeah, let's say that. Kevin Tushahara, the uh, the CEO at Warner Brothers. So, um, he has recently stepped down because news broke in a story in the Hollywood Reporter that he had had, um, you know, an affair with actress Charlotte Kirk in 2013. And then after that, he used his role at the studio because I think 2013 is when he became CEO at um Warner Brothers. So it's um he then used his power at the studio to get Kirk film roles and she had contacted him to ask him for this help. So um yeah it's um it's an odd one because this is the thing it's like that was a, a, a part of the story that you heard about Weinstein. That, yes, he approached women and all of that. But on the flip, a lot of women had approached him as well. Because the word is, he was fair. I mean, if he said he was going to get you a role, he always got you a role. So women would approach him and say, all right, we hear you're into this. So we'll do this if you help us get this and this. You know, but people seem to then go, no, it, he's the predator and he's the bad one. And like, you know what I mean? Obviously, yes. But you you can't deny that people didn't take advantage of that situation as well. So in this story, yeah, it's like Kirk approached Tashahara. And was like, yeah, help me get some jobs, man. Uh, and that's what happened. Which is, um, yeah, it's just crazy, man. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much underhanded bullshit going down. But you just have to be honest about it. You know what I mean? That it's on either side. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It's not just coming from one direction. So it's going to be, I mean, it's interesting, where's Tashahara going to go from here? Because he had a sweet gig, you know, like he was the CEO and he'd also, you know I mean, got, I think he was in charge of Cartoon Network, TCM, 
and a whole heap of other stuff. I think he was involved with the DC, um, the DC projects as well. So yeah, he had a lot of power, and now he has nothing. I mean, <laughs> I, I he he won't be moving into a bed set. You're like you can imagine that he has got bank so he's going to be absolutely fine but will he be able to get another job um yeah it's interesting because um oh shit what's my man's name oh it's uh oh god damn it i'll get it i'll get it hold on john lassiter that's it john lassiter he, um, you know, he had to step down from Pixar, where, uh, but I think, because he went on sabbatical, and then he just didn't come back, and so the word was kind of, you know, I think, touching for too long, you know what I mean, not completely, like, no walking around grabbing breasts and shit, but like, maybe rest a hand on the booty, hold it there way too long, you know what I mean, hug people way too long, and people is women, <laughs> you know, and, and it was just a bit kind of some creepy behaviour, I, I think that's the kind of gist of the situation, but, so you're thinking, mm, will he get another job, but he, he recently, um, became the head of Skydance, so, you know, it, it, it's one of those odd ones, where, hey, you might think someone's done, but they're not, and it's also a thing of, how long should they be out for, you know I mean, like, because, you know, I think everyone, there should be a path of redemption for everyone, you know what I mean, like, you, yeah, I, I feel there should be a way back, I mean, there's certain things that, yeah, you, you, it's, you can't really come back from, you know what I mean, mass murdering and shit like that, now, you can feel, you could feel sorry and remorse, but your ass has to stay in prison, you know what I mean, but then there's other things that you think, alright, there's a path back from that, you know, Louis, it's a path back from that, you know what I mean, and, and so, yeah, what does this, what does the future hold for um, Tasha Hari, interesting, but uh, I'm sure we will find out soonish, you know what I mean, before the end of the year, I'd imagine that, yeah, we'll, we'll see some movement on this situation, but also, what does it hold for um Charlotte Kirk, will she be able to get film roles after all of this, who knows, okay, so, Last weekend, it was Red Nose Day, which is part of comic relief. It's a dr- it's dreadful. It's like, 
all these dreadful shows are on TV, like, just people pretend to care, it's so, it's just fake, it's, 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 ugh, it's repulsive, it's a repulsive day, and, um, there's all, a lot of crazy shit about it has started to, um, come into the news, because, uh, so they, as part of Comet, really, they they like to film these documentaries. Well, they're not really documentaries. They send a supposed celebrity off to Africa or a place like that, and they're walking, you know, through a, a, a village of starving people, and they're like, "Oh, it's so dreadful. Oh, you need to help. Oh, you know what I mean? Just all this." bullshit, this patronising bullshit, so, the, the, the charity is going to waste their money, and, and send this Stacey Dooley woman, who makes documentaries, and they're going to send her to Africa to make one of these patronising programmes, uh, and, um, the, a, a Labour MP, David Lammy criticised it, you know, like, he, he, uh, yeah, he, he criticised them for doing this, and, um, I don't know, it's just wasted, because it's like, um, what do you say, it's a distorted image of Africa, which perpetuates an old idea from the colonial era and yeah you know you can't really uh you know what i mean you you can't i don't believe you you can you know I me mean? be angry at him for those comments because I mean, it's a fair thing to say you might not agree with it but you know, I uh, there, there's nothing wrong in what he said, essentially. So, um, uh, well, <laughs> this year donations were sixty three million, so it's still a lot of money. But that's down eight million from last year, where they raised seventy one. million, right, and, um, oh, there's some morons out there, so, Conservative MP Chris Phillips has blamed Lammy for the shortfall in money, which is insane, in, it's just insane, he sent out a tweet saying, Pathetic manufactured indignation from David Lammy has caused 8 million less money to be raised for charity. The cost of his absurd egotistical posturing is real. This is money that could have been used to save lives. He should fulsomely apologise to stop a repeat next year. Which is insane. It's a, it's just a moronic and insane thing to say. And when you look at 
Like, there's been a lot of big things happening in the world. Like, a big disasters and things like that. So, people people donate to these things, and there's just other things. It's like, the economy isn't great. There's the fear of Brexit and all things like this. So, you know what I mean? There's so many reasons why you're not going to hit the same mark that you hit last year. Or, you know what I mean? Or make more. There's so many different reasons, so many factors. Someone sending a tweet out isn't going to make you lose 8 million. It's it, it's just too, it's just insane, but um, yeah, it it is kind of amusing though, because um, <laughs> so Lammy sent out a tweet and he said um, to be fair, since I've become MP for Tottenham, sea levels have risen. Trump has become president, and England still hasn't won the World Cup coincidence so you know i people have been like saying that he needs to apologize and i think he realizes it's all ridiculous you know what I mean? and anyone who wants to come at him on this situation they, they're just very foolish people so um <laughs> i don't know I don't know, but a lot of people are now, um, you know, sending out humorous tweets, like, uh, my tea's gone cold, thanks a lot, David, (laughs) you know, my boiled egg wasn't dippy this morning, you absolute monster, it's just a ridiculous situation, and I think the, the thing is, really, that um, I would say that comic relief need to change the format. It's a bit dry. It's a bit stale. They need to change what they're doing, and then maybe you know people will think to donate. But hey, it's just one of these things, man. This is what happens with fundraising. Hey, so in some good news, um. Disney have rehired James Gunn to direct Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is, ah, it's it's, it's such a relief, because at the time, you know, what he was sacked for were tweets from, like, over 10 years ago, and at the time... He had apologised. So it was just a bit like, why is this shit being redragged up? And you just thought, ah, why? You think surely Disney can see what's happened? They worked with him for over 10 years on these movies. So they know what kind of person he is. So it was just a weird situation. It was very disappointing. Um, so it, it's just great to find out that, yeah, he's been rehired, and, um, word is that, um, you know, Disney made the decision 
to do it like last month but but I don't know for some reason it took took a little longer for everything to be sorted and then uh you know fed to the press as it were I mean could it could some of it be because you know DC hired him as well to make the uh, Suicide Squad sequel reboot so Disney are just a bit like all right fuck it let's bring him back and then tie him to the Marvel Universe you know what I mean? he can do one thing for DC but then he's all ours again I mean who knows I know that like Bradley Cooper, Chris Pratt, Zoe Salander, Vin Diesel and Dave Bautista had all um, voiced their um, concern over the situation. And I think even had said that, you know, they won't make any more films. I think that was the word from Bautista, that he'd make volume three because he's contracted but then he's done. So I think this hiring, uh, you know, I mean, it definitely appeases people. But it's the right thing to do. I do feel it is the right thing to do. Um, and Gunn, ha- you know, he sent a message out. So it says, um, I am tremendously grateful to every person out there who has supported me over the past few months. I am always learning And I will continue to work at being the best human being I can be. I deeply appreciate Disney's decision. And I'm excited to continue making films that investigate the ties of love that bind us all. I have been and continue to be incredibly humbled by your love and support. From the bottom of my heart, thank you, love to you all. Yeah, so he he sent that out last Friday. I mean, the other thing could be, and this wouldn't surprise me either, if, um, you know, when all the news broke, you know, Di- you know Disney, are tr- they're trying to buy um, Fox, and, you know, so they, they don't need any bad attention or anything like that, so they could have gone, look, we're going to sack him, and then we will bring him back. You know what I mean? So maybe it was always the intention to bring him back, but they just wanted to, um, you know, avoid any bad press so share prices don't fall and it doesn't impact on, um, you know, the acquisition of uh, Fox. So that could have been a thing. Who knows? I mean, no one will really know, but, hey, it's just... It's nice that it, this has happened, you know what I mean? So, um, well done to everyone involved. Hey, so, you know, I, I had a lot, of, I had um, a, a f- fun time on uh, Saturday just gone. You know, the weather was a bit all over the place. But, um, yo, I went to this spot. Um, there's, like, food markets these big indoor kind of food market places, they've just kind of, the last few years, they've they've kind of sprouted all over the shop, like, I think it was probably Street Feast was the first to have, like, regular 
weekly joints. You know, there's like, it's not like these things haven't been before, but they've kind of been one-offs or for an event or that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I probably Street Feast was the first to have like the these set locations. Um, so, yeah, different spots have opened up all over the place, you know, with di from different brands. There's like a spot near Victoria now. There's a Street Feast spot just down the road from me, which is golden you know but um yo so my friend stumbled on this one called um or what is it mercato metropolitano um it's kind of near elephant and castle and it was it was fun man oh like you gotta get there um, I'd say get there kind of early because, yo, it filled up fast. Like we got there, had a spot, it was cool, and then probably what thirty minutes later, it was rammed. But they do have a lot of seating, they which is good. They do have a lot of seating. Kind of reminded me a little bit of the, the kind of indoor bit at Spitalfield Market now. The way they kind of redesigned that. Um, so, yeah, there's just a lot of food joints all over the place. A lot of different types of food. Uh, like, we were just kind of like, oh, we, we were kind of like deers in the head. Like, had no clue what to get. So we were just basically looking at what other people were having. Just like, oh shit, that looks good. Oh, that looks good. And so, yeah, try like, you know what I mean, getting a few different things so we could share. Like, oh shit, what do we do? Like the first we had this like meat platter thing. So what was on it? Kind of brisket, pulled pork, um, a sausage, uh, there was something else, and a coleslaw, and god damn it, it was, oh, I was off the chain, man, it was so tasty, so, because, you know, a, a thing that gets me sometimes with barbecue, is that they don't season the meat, you know what I mean, they just pour a lot of shitty sauce over it, and that's it. They're like, hey, check out this lovely barbecue. And it's just like, no, it's just shit. You just poured this horrible, horrible kind of tasteless sauce. But there's no real seasoning or anything. But this, yo, whatever rub they put on the meat. Oh, it was so good. Like every meat had its own unique taste. It was, yeah, that was very good. Then a guy sat down near us with these wings that looked ridiculous. So, obviously, <laughs> that was the next port of call. <laughs> we said so we got, got these wings to try that were very good again. Ah, I think they had like a bit of a peri-peri kind of um, rub and sauce on them. So, that was good. I think the chips that came with it. They must have been, I don't know, maybe triple cooked because they were tasty as hell. Had a nice crunch to them. Um, my friends, they got ice cream. Obviously, can't do ice cream. So I, I just chilled. And then before we went, it was just like, yeah, something else, something else. So yeah, got a, a, a kind of a steak sandwich and we just split that. 
So yeah, that was, man, it was definitely good. And we definitely didn't even scratch the surface. There was so much else to kind of see. So a lot of times we were just walking around, just like eyes popping out, being like, oh shit, need to try that. Oh, let's try that. Oh man, that for next time. So that was good. Like, and, you know, as you do, so we would then just, you know, just chilling and talking and catching up and everything like that. Um, and you know, sometimes when you're talking to your people, man, and, and suddenly you start to see patterns that you didn't realize. Uh, so it turns out that. I might shout too much at cinemas. Because <laughs> every time we would do it, we'd be like, yo, what film what was the last film we saw? Oh, we saw that film. Remember, you 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 told those people to shut up and they're like, oh, I don't remember that. Oh, and then we saw that film and yeah, 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 yeah. And then those people would be annoying and you tell those people to shut up. And it was just like shit, the last few films I've seen. Man, I've just had to like you like, hmm, do I need to chill? But, but, I then thought about the circumstances. I have to, I have to say, I have to say, hey, I do feel I was in my right because these fuckers were making a crazy amount of noise in the screen. And it's like, listen, we all know how to act when we go out in public. You know what I mean? So, I kind of feel not too bad. But on another kind of level, I'm a bit like, I cannot make this a regular occurrence because it's getting a little crazy. I need to get back to yoga and Pilates and and maybe do some breathing and shit. <laughs> because, yeah, that's it's not the best. It's not the best thing to suddenly realise. So damn my friends for pointing it out to me. <laughs> and as, yo, oh my gosh. We, yo, one time when we were walking around... Yo, this 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 chick walked past me to go get some food at this one counter, and woo! I have to say, man, she she had oh my gosh, she had the most ridiculous ass in the world. I'm and this is it. My sight is bad and even I could see how insane her booty was it was ridiculous it was so crazy you could rest a frigging computer up on that not just a mini little laptop I'm saying a desktop you could rest your desktop motherfucking computer on a booty and everything would be golden you know what I mean? It was crazy. Obviously, I said nothing to her. You know what I mean? In my head, I'd be like, I'd have made some slick little comment. Hey, she would have laughed, obviously. 
and then given me her number, said, like, give me a call. Yo, it would have been golden. But, yeah, no, that was just in my head. Never happened. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. But, um, yeah, when I go back, I'm going to have my, my game face on and be ready. Be ready. Because that just took me by surprise took me by surprise and i was with my friends i was with you know what i mean i was with them so i kind of felt like you know what i mean i can't really be macking can't be doing that i can't be dropping lines and shit you know what i mean but hey sometimes a single dude needs to to do certain things so um yeah yeah I, I'm, i'll be ready next time but um yeah it was a lot of fun though it was a lot of fun so if you are in the vicinity of elephant and castle i would definitely say yo check it out it's macato metropolitan metro oh jesus christ i can't speak man macato metropolitano yeah 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 definitely worth a checky check check Okay, so this Saturday, you know, March the 16th, there's, um, UFC was in town, so they, um, had an event at the O2, uh, which is, you know, it seems to be a regular thing now every March, come to the O2, put on a big event, which is all good, and the, um, the card was very good, you know, there was some, there, there was some potentially really good fights that were gonna happen, and, um, yeah, we definitely saw some good fights. I have to say, though, BT's coverage was a bit off. Definitely, a bit. the sound was going in and out a, a lot of the time. And they missed the first fight. So, Mike Grundy against Nadim Namarama, they missed it missed that and they came in on the Molly McCann fight um in the third round which was crazy yeah it was it was a very odd situation luckily fight pass you know I was able to catch up so that was that's all good but um yeah like the Mike Grundy fight um Nad Namarama um, that wasn't a bad fight, but I have to say, Nad did not look like himself. You know, right in his previous two fights, he has definitely had a better performance. He came out looking extremely hesitant and not sure what to do. So it was then kind of up to Grundy to control, um you know, the nature of the fight, I think, Nad woke, seemed to wake up, in, I think, I think it was like, the beginning of the second round, and he did catch Grundy, you know, that the crazy thing about the end of this fight, he caught Grundy, but, he, he didn't defend very well, so then he got caught, and then it was done, you know what I mean, um, 
so it wasn't it wasn't a bad it was a, it was a fun fight but grundy is does seem to be very hittable so that is the problem i i i think there was and he doesn't exit on an angle often so i think he he becomes a bit predictable so like he's talking about you know he's going to be a champion and all of this kind of thing but i think maybe there needs to be development though in his game so it will be interesting to see how he um goes from here in his next few fights and that will let us know you know is he actually a contender or you know is he just divisional fodder as it were um so yeah then we had the molly mccann against Pr priscilla cashera which was an insane fight they were just throwing at each other just throwing um and mccann she basically won it through a bit more variation of her attacks you know she was throwing punches certain kicks and then when she she it went to the ground she was challenging with submissions i mean to be fair none of the submissions were perfect so i don't think she would have um you know sunk any in but the fact that she was attempting them would bode her well with the judges and it also shows she is trying to develop her game so that is very good but this fight did see one of the first referee situations so um what was oh yes so in the third round Cachoeira caught McCann with a um with a shot that must have shattered her um orbital bone or something because her eye just blew up it all of it like punch landed and then suddenly her eye is bugging out of her head it was insane it was crazy but the ref let it go for most of the round but then it, it got to a point where he, he had to call in a doctor so the doctor came in looked at it said fine you can go on which is a bit kind of yeah i mean i think possibly because there wasn't that much time left because i think think at this point there was 40 seconds left something like that i think if there was any more time the ref would have stopped it because it was horrific um and you even if she says she can see you knew she blatantly could not see through that eye so they when they restart the fight she's indicated to cachoeira touch hands cachoeira has gone yes they move forward to touch hands. Cachoeira then tries to throw a punch rather than touch hands. Which was... Ooh, 
very bad sportsmanship, you know what I mean? Um, now, the ref did pull him apart and did have a go at her, but you kind of feel in those instances, a point should be deducted. Because it's just, you know, it's bad sportsmanship. So if because you can get disqualified for unsportsmanlike contact after the fight, you know what I mean? So within a fight, hey, you know what I mean? If someone pulls off, if someone does something dodgy, like I remember in, there was in a fight, it wasn't in the UFC, but a guy stood on another guy um, as he was getting up and he got disqualified. So, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's just like, I feel a point probably should have been deducted, you know, and that just shows people, look, this shit, you can't do it. But, um... Yeah, so that happened, and then, you know, the fight, McCann avoided a punch, and the fight ran the, the last few seconds, and then it was done, and so McCann won the decision on that one. Uh, so next up was Danny Henry against Dan Ig. Um, Henry, he'd, he'd been going, he'd had a nice little two-run um, unbeaten streak, uh, that pretty much ended <laughs> straight away, it, it was weird, because Henry was a taller guy, considerably taller than Ig, and instead of, see, it was an issue that a lot of tall fighters seem to have, they don't use their range well, one of the only people that seems to use his range well is John Jones, a lot of the other guys do not, they don't use it that well. So, Ig just came forward, and Henry just didn't hold him off, couldn't hold him off. You know, no no real stiff jabs or, or anything, he just backed up. So then, Ig threw a flurry of punches, connected with Henry, Henry went down, um, Ig then swarmed on top of him, sunk in a submission and it was done like a minute and so into the first round it was crazy it, yeah it was i don't think it even got touched you know it was very quick and henry again he looked rather shell-shocked when Ig was coming forward he didn't know what to do so yeah, I ain't going unbeaten, having these unbeaten runs, that's all well and good. But how are you going to react when you're the nail? How are you going to react under adversary? Uh, that's what seems to um, demonstrate how a fighter is going to progress. And yeah, it did seem to leave Henry very wide open and suspect. So, you know, we'll see how he bounces back in his next fight. So, next up, there was um, Nikolai Negamurov against Sparbeck Safarov. This was, oh, it, it wasn't the best of fights. You know what I mean? It definitely wasn't the best of fights. But what? was crazy about it was the amount of fence grabs and just 
illegal shit that Safarov was allowed to get away with. Like, the referee would mourn him and go, like, if you do that again, I'll de- I, I, I might be forced to deduct a point. But he would never deduct a point. So it gets to a, a, a you know, what I mean? it gets to a stage where if no, if you know, what I mean, if you're not getting punished, you don't see the issue of doing the shit that you're doing. And so, yes, yeah, Sakharov, he just kept like there was one point where um, Nugomirov was going to take, was trying to take him down, and he had him up, and Sakharov just blatantly grabbed the fence. So it stopped the takedown. Nugomemov ended up on the floor and was getting hammer-fisted. And it was just like, that is ridiculous. What the fuck is going on? But the referee just kept on letting it go. It was another of the weird decisions from referees at this event. Yeah, it, it, it was very strange. We then had Mark DeCasey against Irish Joseph Duffy. Uh, and DeCasey was coming off, uh, I think it was like a four-fight losing streak, which is crazy. Because usually, you're done. You know, if you've lost that many fights in a row, you're done. But, I mean, he it's not like he'd fought easy opposition. And... I, you could see that he's talented, so I think the UFC was giving him one last opportunity. And, um, yeah, this was a great fight for Ducasey. He looked sharp. He, he he varied his attack. You know, he was evasive. And, and Duffy just looked flat. It, it really didn't look like the same... Duffy that we saw in his first few fights in the UFC. He he just looked a bit lethargic and like he just couldn't get anything off. And yeah, Dukesy made him pay, man. He hammered the calf. Hammered the calf. And and you could definitely see that Duffy was compromised. You know, at the end of the first round, even that you know, he he couldn't put as much weight on it, and then just as the as we went on, yeah, it just got worse. So yeah, the Casey took the decision was a well fought fight, uh, and the last fight of the prelims was Arnold Allen against Jordan Rinaldi. Um, Rinaldi was coming off a good performance in his last fight. Allen is undefeated in the UFC. Um, and, um, yeah, Allen controlled this fight with ease, basically. He just held Rinaldi off with range and just peppered him. Just peppered it like nothing hard. But he just touched Rinaldi whenever he wanted like and just held him off you know um i think you could say that alan kind of coasted and that he didn't you know i mean maybe he was lacking the urgency but i think it's with because some of his fights he um 
you know, he kind of loses the game plan and gets a bit reckless and, you know, he, he and so he wanted to just be more relaxed, more chill. And yeah, and that's what he showed. So he stays unbeaten. It'll be interested to see who he gets in his next, uh, yeah, in his next outing. There's, I, I think the competition needs to go up for us to fully see, you know, where Alan is destined to go. But yeah, be interesting to see um, what that next fight holds. Uh, so now we go to the main card. And the first fight was Jack Marshman against John Phillips. So it was the Battle of Wales. And this was a very poor fight. Oh my God, it was a poor fight. And it was weird because, so in the first round, very early into the first round, Phillips hit Marshman with a good overhand punch and Marshman went down and did seem a little dazed. But instead of, you know, jumping on him or, you know, he, like, no, it doesn't have to go to ground, but some ground a pound, you know what I mean? Just something, something. But Phillips stepped back, bowed and let Marshman to his feet. And then he didn't really pressure him after that. So, I, yeah, it's, and, and that's how it just kind of went from then on. There's, you know, high fives and, and shit like that. And it's a bit like, look, just stop it. <laughs> just, guys, stop it, man. There's, there was didn't seem to be no urgency in this fight. But. Phillips just walked down Marshman. So he walked down Marshman. And you felt that when Phillips hit Marshman, he could take him out. But on the flip, it didn't seem that Marshman's punches were hurting Phillips in the same way. But the crazy thing was, Marshman took the decision. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know, it was a weird one. Like, again, it wasn't egregious, you know what I mean? It was a close fight, a close, uneventful fight. But I think you felt that Phillips won. So it was odd to, to see the judges had given it to Marshman. But it wasn't one of those ones where you'd be like, oh my God, that was so, such a bad robbery there. But yeah, it it was it wasn't the best of fights, people. It really wasn't. We then had Danny Hot Sauce Roberts against Claudio Silva. Um, this was it was a fun fight. It went to the third round. Um, you know, Silva. Yeah, he he wasn't great on the feet. So Roberts was owning it on the feet, but when Silver got in trouble, he was always able to take Roberts down. And he had Roberts in a few compromising like situations, but Roberts was able to get out and survive. 
and also he was able to reverse and get top position a good few times. So we then get to the third round and I think it was like the end of the second as well. Robert started to find his range a bit more and tag up Silver. Beginning of the third round, he really did, you know, he was he was laying into Silver and Silver was looking wobbly. Was looking wobbly. But he was able to get Roberts down. So he got Roberts down and he had a tight armbar. But Roberts was able to um you mean it make sure that it wasn't extended. He did the rookie mistake of trying to slam him. But slamming never seems to work. It just seems to sink your arm deeper. So it's always a bit like, oh don't don't slam. But even when he did that. Like, he, he was able to kind of step around, have his knee um, on Silver's butt. So, you know what I mean? It, the arm couldn't go any deeper. He was, you know, he was doing what he needed to do to ensure he could survive. Um, it went down to the ground. But even then, Silver wasn't fully able to extend the arm. But look, if you've ever been in an arm bar, it's not nice. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's not comfortable. It's not great. And there's times that a little bit of movement can really, oh, it, it wrench the arm. But you, but you feel you can survive, you know what I mean? Especially if you're moving in the right direction and stuff like that. All the things that Roberts was doing. But as I said, look, it's not comfortable. So you're going to be like, oh. Fuck, ow, 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 okay, ow. you know what I mean, it, it, you may moan, a, a kind of thing, and all of, and so it's really weird, because Roberts turned, and his arm came out, but just as the arm came out, and he was safe, the referee stopped the fight, the referee stopped the fight, said it was a, a, Roberts had made a verbal submission and that's not a, a verbal submission as in stop tap you know what I mean I give up but a verbal submission can be if you scream but it was a weird because you know what I mean it's not as I said look it's not a comfortable position so you will oftentimes make noise but there's a difference in the noise. And also you have to look at what's going on. So if someone has escaped, you don't stop the friggin' fight. But the referee stopped the fight. It was it was insane. It was crazy. Yeah, like I don't know what it was just baffling really. But um yeah, silver Silver took the win. Uh, we then had Nathaniel Wood against Jose Alberto Quinores. Um, and, like, you know, in, in his previous fights, Wood has definitely looked good. 
but this was definitely a, a up a step up in competition and he looked tremendous at no point did he ever really look in any trouble and he controlled the fight he was able to um take Quinones down in a second round and he just got the rear naked and then that was it now once he'd sunk it in yeah, you did, you just knew it was over and it was with a lot of ease so i think you know wood has definitely got the potential to go far but it will be interesting to see how he copes when you know he steps up even more in competition you know if he's we you want to see him in a position where he's compromised you want to see him you know what I mean be in some awkward situations so it's like how does he cope when he's the nail that's what we need to see you know because there's oftentimes people look good when they're in control but when things don't go their way then they just fold so um yeah I, it's exciting to see how Wood can progress in this game. We then had a Vulcan Uzamir against Dominic Reyes. And Dominic Reyes was looking tremendous. And there's been talk of him being, a, you know, a, a contender to John Jones's crown. And Reyes has all been has been saying as well that you know he thinks he's going to be the one to dethrone John Jones. Uh, but you know the, this fight against Volkan Uzumir was probably gonna be his toughest test. And I have to say, Volkan Uzumir took it to Reyes. Really took it to Reyes. Like I think out of this fight like nothing concussive was thrown but you kind of had the feeling if someone could end the fight it was going to be Ozamir. that's how it looked because Reyes just it didn't look like he had the energy for much it was very weird he his attacks seemed limited he's usually got a very varied fluid attack and it just wasn't evident it wasn't evident at all but at the end of the three rounds the the, the judges gave it to reyes which was another you know what i mean weird suspect decision again it was kind of a close fight so you, it's you know you can't be that was disgraceful judging you know what I mean. But you do kind of scratch your head and think, what were they looking at? It's slightly confusing, but yeah, Reyes takes the win. It was funny because in his um you know post fight speech in the cage with Dan Hardy, he did say. I'm coming for you, John. And it's just a bit like, yeah, I don't think John 
is worried <laughs> after that performance. I don't think John is worried one bit. Um, but then we had the co-main event, which was Leon Edwards against Gunnar Nelson. And, um, you know, let, let's say this. So you had the co-main event and the main event. So the, as I said, it was Leon Edwards against Gunnar Nelson. And the main event was Darren Teal against Jorge Masvidal. And I think the consensus of those two fights were... Till's beating Masterval and Nelson is beating Edwards. And that that was the clear favourites of both fights. But all all this time, Leon Edwards has been making a claim for um you know big fights. He's been winning. His last defeat was Kamar Usman, the new welterweight king. So Edwards has always been, and he's been very vocal recently. You're in going that he deserves big fights. He deserves the winner of Till Masterval. You're in. He he wants to get to a place where he gets a title shot, and he's. I think it's like seven wins in a row. So, you know, he's been putting in work for sure. But everyone thought that Gunnar Nelson would beat him comfortably. And especially after that fight Gunner had with Charles Oliveira. You know, it was, god damn it. When he took Oliveira down and just landed, I think it was just one, it was just one elbow. Yeah, the first elbow. And when that, when it split Oliveira open, then he landed a few more. It was just like, oh, it's vicious, man. It's just vicious. So, you know, it was the kind of thing like, look, Gunny is going to take him down. And when he takes him down, it's going to be over. No one told Edwards that's how the script was meant to go, though. Because Edwards looked so sharp. So sharp. And he was able to take Gunner down. He was able to control him on the ground. That was the craziest thing. He was able to control him on the ground. And he there was moments when even he tried to take Gunner's back. So, it, yeah, it was a crazy fight that Edwards seemed to control all the way through. Uh, up until, I think, it was about two minutes Left in the third round. Gunner took Edwards down. And so Edwards was just fighting off. You know what I mean? A few submission attempts. But even the submission attempts didn't seem normal Nelson submission attempts. They all seemed a bit lackluster. It's like he didn't have the... It's like his confidence wasn't there. It, it was very strange. It was very strange. But Nelson comfortably won the fight. I mean, sorry, Edwards comfortably won the fight. Even though one judge did give it as a split decision. Which was like, 
what the fuck is going on with the judging tonight, man? But that led us to the main event of the evening. Darren, the Gorilla Teal against Jorge Masterval. And, um, yeah, this was an interesting fight. There's, um, you know, I think Teal came out hot. And he put Jorge down. But you wonder if, you know, how clean the shot was and if Masterval was off balance. Because he got up and he had a big smile on his face. He didn't look rocked. He, you know, he didn't look compromised. And everything seemed fine. Um. And he went, he went back to the stall and his corner told him to put more pressure on. Because in the first round, it was Till coming forward. It was Till backing Masterval up. And, you know, it, it was Till kind of pressuring. But Masterval was landing in the first round. And the I think the crazy thing is... Till, you know, even though he's like the bigger man, you know, he's got the reach, he's got kicks, the the the, the range, he doesn't always use it, um, and he can be a bit lazy when retreating, he always retreats in a straight line, his chin is always up, and he does this weird thing. So when he backs up, he kind of brings his arms out to the side and just walks back. So the defense isn't there. Is it's it's a weird thing that I've I've noticed a while with Till. And you you kind of get the sense that because he's before every fight, it's like I'm the bigger guy, I'm gonna win. You know what I mean? I'm a gorilla, rah 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 rah. And so you get the sense that Till believes because he's bigger, no one can really touch him. So he can, you know what I mean, move back in a straight line. He can keep his chin up because. No one can hurt him. That seems to be Till's mentality. So in the second round, Masterval was putting a lot more pressure on Till. He was moving forward. He was backing Till up. And you know where he was landing in the first round, with coming forward, with putting Till under the pressure. He was able to hit even more in this round. And the other thing is, Till hasn't kicked as much in his last few fights. In his early fights, he had more of a kicking game. As you know, he was a kickboxer. He did Mai Tai. But in the last few fights, the kicking game hasn't really been there. And so... That limits your weapons. So Masterbell moved forward. And he started to um, do a lot more fainting. And that was basically the key to victory. Because he 
fainted and he threw his timing off as well that was a, a, a really smart thing that he did so he'd faint and throw his timing and that allowed him to come over the top so till he starts to back up and he, as I said, look, he does the thing with bringing his arms out to the side. So he starts to back up. Then Masterville comes over the top. Hits him. Oh, it was a sweet punch, man. So connected. As Till's going down, he lands a sweet hook as well. So Till is like... He was dazed with the first. With the second punch, you saw his eyes were done. He hit the ground. And as he hit the ground, Masterville came with one more punch. Landed, boom, snubber, sweet one on the chin. Till is out cold. And, I mean, he is out cold he was like i think he was probably unconscious for a few, like at least a couple of minutes at least which is very worrying you know like he because you feel that till probably was concussed in his fight against woodley so he had a concussion in that fight he's knocked out viciously in this fight He's only 26, but you don't want to take too many hits like this. So, you know, so it was a great win for Masterville, especially the fact that he has been, you know, off for a year. So, yeah, it was a great performance from him. And it does, you know, push him up the rank. Now, the, but the crazy thing is where... You know, he was never going to get a title defence. Because he's he, because one, one win in a year. You know, where other people have been active, have been. And it's kind of like Covington does deserve the fight against Usman. Just because he was the interim champion. So, you know, it, it's a fair thing. But, you know, where Masterval did want that fight. So, at the end of the event, he's doing an interview with Megan O'Leary. No, with Laura Sanko. My apologies, Laura Sanko. Edwards walks past and shouts some shit out. Um, and then I think you hear it like, oh, fuck you, coward, something like that. And Massavell goes, oh, say that to my face. Then, so he stops the interview. He walks over to Edwards and then suddenly, ba 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 ba, you know what I mean? Throw some punches. Like people like split it up, and so now the talk is Masterval Edwards. So Masterval kind of fucked himself because with that win he could have got maybe Askren. You know what I mean a, a, a higher on opponent. But yeah, it, it, the chances are that his next fight might be Leon Edwards. But who knows? It'd be interesting to see what happened with Till after this as well. There has always been the talk of him moving up to um, to middleweight. 
And, you know, he this weight cut was supposedly a lot better than the last one. But I think the big thing is maybe a move up might be the best thing for Till. Not because he can't make the weight. But I think his problem has been, as I said, look, he, he's always thinking, I'm the bigger man. No one can touch me. So maybe if he moves up a weight class, which would mean he isn't the biggest guy in the division, that might make him more cautious. That might make him more cognitive of his defences and will force him to, you know what I mean, like not move back in a straight line. Not move back with your arms at your side. So it might make him, you know, work on his defence more. And pay more attention in the ring. Who knows? Like, he can definitely still fight at welterweight. But I I do wonder if a, a, a move up to middleweight will help. Because it will force him to, um, you know what I mean? Work on skill rather than size. But I think the biggest thing from this event was... Um, so, Bisbin was doing... Uh, you know, he was doing some breakdowns with um, Karen Bryant for the event. So, he was working the event, Michael Bisbing. Former middleweight champ, Michael LeCount Bisbing. So, he's doing this, and at one point, he's in the actual crowd. So, he's in the crowd, and then you hear Bruce Buffer, I think it was Bruce Buffer said, um, and now, um, the first inductee for the 2019 UFC Hall of Fame. As soon as those words were said. Like there was just a fear of me going. It's going to be Bisbin right? It's going to be Bisbin. There's like Bisbin's at the event. He's just. He's retired now. He, he's been in the game since. Fuck. He's been in the game. I think 2003, he was in season three of The Ultimate Fighter. So he won season three of The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, he's been around for like over 10 years. And he's worked hard. He he got the belt. So you kind of felt that this could be him. And it would just, it was a perfect storm. You know what I mean? In London, at the O2. And so, you know, I was just like, is it going to be Bisping? And then, yeah, it was just like a video montage played and it was, inc- it was incredible, man. So it was just like, um, you know, there was like clips of, of Bisping, you know, Ultimate Fighter and different stages out of his career. You had like Dana White interviewing, like Daniel Cormier, John Anik, other fighters, Forrest Griffin. And everyone's saying like, these things, Bisping's dad, his wife. 
and it was just the way this video, this this promo was cut together. You know, a little music in the background, and it was just like bam, 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 bam. And hey, I ain't even gonna lie, but you started feeling crazy emotional because it's like you know they they were saying this is the you know the modern cinderella story and look when when you've been following ufc for so long you see the the you know the evolution of fighters and so this is the thing see the way bisping came in and you'd see how he worked on his wrestling, how he worked on his skills. And yeah, he would lose sometimes, but the next fight, he came back even better. And the adversary that he'd gone in. You know, for the last few years, he was fighting with basically one eye. You know what I mean? Which is insane. And so see, um, you mean knowing all of this and seeing it all come to life through this video, man, it just made you, you know what I mean, it really just touched you, man. And so then when it ended and it was just like, and the new first entry to the UFC Hall of Fame in the modern era, Michael the Count Bisbee. Yo, that was, it was huge, it was huge, it was incredible, and it just, it was just a perfect thing to happen, so yeah, this was, a, you know, it was a, a really enjoyable event, Um, and um, yeah, looking forward to next weekend, this next weekend is um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson against Anthony Showtime Pettis. So, you know what I mean? It's like, shit, man. That's going to be interesting. And there's some good fights on the card as well. So, um, yeah, looking forward to... Um, Fight night, 148. So, uh, yeah, we're going to break that down for you next week, people. All right? Peace. Okay, so this week, I um, ventured out, tried something new. It was a book called Drake, which is the first part of the Burned Man trilogy. It's by Peter McLean. And it was read by Mark Meadows. So the um the breakdown is this: Hitman Don Drake, Hitman Don Drake owes a gambling debt to a demon, forced to carry out one more assassination to clear his debt. Don unwittingly kills an innocent child and brings the furies of Greek myth down upon himself. Rescued by an almost fallen angel called Trixie, Don and his magical accomplice, the burned man, an imprisoned archdemon, are forced to deal with Lucifer himself whilst battling a powerful evil magician. 
Now Don must foil Lucifer's plan to complete Trixie's fall and save her soul whilst preventing the burned man from breaking free from captivity and wrecking havoc on the entire world. <clears throat> so yeah, this was interesting because, you know, when I um I saw the book, I was thinking, okay, so it, it it sounds like it could be similar to um <clears throat> things like the Felix um Caster books or or maybe like the Alex Verus books uh, you know what I mean it, it it's kind of in that vein so not an outright oh it's exactly like that but you know what I mean in that kind of vein do you think okay I should like this book this sounds like it is um in my uh sandbox I think that's a say that's a saying right in my sandbox huh well if it's it is now motherfuckers in my sandbox so yeah so I, I was thinking all right let me check this out um I think the uh, like and it's not terrible. I just couldn't con- I just couldn't really seem to connect with it for some reason. I I just yeah, it it, it was strange in that respect. I I I think there was kind of some of the situations I didn't really I I guess I didn't really get. And what I I mean I obviously I understood them. I'm not a moron. What I mean is it's just like you know the, like the whole gambling thing at the beginning. It was just a bit like yeah, but you know you'd be getting set up. Like what's going like this makes no sense. Like you you under you know this is a trap. You know you will lose this. What are you doing? So it's just just like, what what the fuck, man? And then there's another gambling bit towards the end of the book, and it's just like, he he's just like, well, let's play for this or this, and it's just like, wait, why are you giving options to what you're playing for? Just say, I'm playing for this. It was just really weird, the way, like this character is just kind of. Let's a situation that happen because it's not needed. That was the weird thing. Like it's not like it's written in a way where it's just like, um. So Don says, "Oh, blah blah blah," and then the thing he says, "Fuck you. That's not gonna go down. Come in my face again. I'm gonna rip you apart." You know what I mean? If it was like that, you'd be like, oh, "Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah." But it's not. It's just like, well, Don kind of offers this, but then he kind of accepts this. You know, there's no threat, nothing, blah, blah, blah. Like, just a situation. And you're just like, wait, what? Why, though? I mean, that, from my point of view, that's how it seemed. You know, maybe I'm just reading way too much into this or just missing a point somewhere. But I think that, that was what, like, one of the big things for me. And I just, yeah, just didn't get on with Don as as a character. It's just a bit like, I don't care if you die. Yeah, you could die. I know you're not gonna die. You know what I mean? Because this is a trilogy. But if you did die, wouldn't care. 
Yeah, so whatever. And that, yeah, so that's never a good sign when you have no empathy for the lead character. Well, actually, there's, I think there's books where I haven't gelled with the lead character, but I've enjoyed the supporting cast. In this, the supporting cast, I don't even care about them, you know? It, it, it was just like this whole weird thing with the burned man. I was a bit like, I don't. That made no sense to me. Like, Don and his girlfriend made no... Like, nothing really made any sense. <clears throat> you know, the, the whole thing with Trixie. Like, oh, you know, you, you, like, she fell a bit and then Lucifer wants her to fall more. But, supposedly, Trixie can't see that she's being lied to, but then there's a point where he goes, but you know who your boss is, right, and she's like, well, yeah, and you know he lies, well, yeah, so it's a bit like, so how would you not know the situation you've just walked into, that makes no sense, so there's just these weird things that are going on, and then the conceit being that the character is actually aware of the situation, so that just baffles me a bit, because I'm just a bit like, look, if you're aware of the situation, what then is the reasoning for you doing this thing, you know what I mean, you have to kind of clarify that, like, give an argument, if there's no argument for not, you know what I mean, For, 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 for doing it, then why do I care? I mean, that's that's the, really the big thing. It's just like, why do I care? And then you have this whole thing about burning the burned man trying to break free. But it's all a bit like... <clears throat> okay. Right, so he wants to break free. But why would Lucifer want him free? You know what I mean? And then it's a bit like... But why? Well, I can't say the last bit, but it's just a bit like, yeah, it just made no sense. It made no sense, and especially with the ending. And then, yeah, it's all a bit. <clears throat> it's all a bit weird, and I'm not. Re- I wasn't really bothered about. Oh, I wonder what happened. There wasn't any of that. I wonder what happens next. Oh my god, I can't believe it ended like this. This is insane. Yeah, I need more. It was just something like, eh, okay. Like, like it wasn't terrible. You know, it was okay. It's just, yeah, I'm just not... It didn't invigorate me. It didn't, like, light that fire. I wasn't excited every moment of the book. I was just a bit like, yeah, okay, this is fine. Like, Mark Meadows does uh, does an okay job with the narration. There's no problems there. Yeah, as I said, look, the writing itself isn't horrible. Definitely read worse books. There's just nothing connecting. And this whole thing about the, the innocent child being killed... It's just this weird little thing that kind of comes up every now and again. But there's nothing that's really done 
to kind of counter it. Like, there's nothing done to be like, all right, well, I did this, so I better, I'm going to do this to kind of make up for that. Or it's just every now and again, it's just like, oh, I killed a kid. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then it's, eh, it's forgotten now. And then every now and then a bit later, it's like, oh, I killed an innocent kid. Oh, no. It's just like, like but, all right, so what are you going to do about it? <clears throat> you know, well, like, how are you making up for this thing? Oh, you're not? Oh, okay. Fine. Well, shut up whining about it then. Yeah. I don't know. Listen, right? So, if you like books, you know, with demons and devils and... Actually, that's the same thing, isn't it? I really meant to say angels. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those things, people. But if you like a book with demons and angels... <clears throat> You know, some detective kind of shit and kind of. It's not fully, but there's a mystery, you know. So if that's your kind of thing, yeah, you know, then this could well be for you. You know, this could well be for you. It's um, <clears throat> Paul Cornell has some books and I think this is kind of similar to them. Like, um, I think it's like London Falling or something like that. But Paul Cornell, like, he's written some comics, Captain Britain, you know, stuff like that. I think he's written some stuff for DC too. But yeah, yeah, they're on Audible, I know that. Um, but yeah, if you like his stuff, then I'd say you'd probably like this. Um, and yeah, that's, um, Drake. Book one in the Burned Man trilogy by Peter McLean and narrated by Mark Meadows. Find it on Audible. So, people, we have reached that time again. And so we're going to go through some TV news and they're going to bounce the hell out of here. Alright, so, um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but back in the 90s, there was a TV series called Sliders. Um, it starred Jerry O'Connell and John Rhys Davis, better known as, um, Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Um, and there was also, um... It Cleveland Derricks. I forget who the other members of the cast were, but it was an odd show. It was kind of quantum leapish because they had this kind of handheld device and it made them jump through wormholes between parallel universes. And there was a lot of it, seemed to be a lot of filler episodes. There was some interesting ones. I, I remember I stopped watching it. And then I remember tuning in. And they were in this weird parallel kind of universe. Where like a race. Uh, you know. some a Kind of entity like the Nazi party had taken over. And that seemed interesting. But yeah. In concept it was interesting. But it never really seemed to fulfill its, you know, potential, but, um, 
Reese Davis was at the Toronto Comic Con and he had this to say. Jerry had been pestering me for a number of years and we're actually talking to NBC at the moment to see if there's any possibility of rebooting the series. They're looking into the basic question of who actually owns it. At the moment, we don't seem to be able to find that out. I wouldn't do it again if just... Sorry, I would do it again if just to show how it should be done. It could have been the best show on television. It could still be on the air. I think maybe if we got another chance at doing it with the new technology but also new stories, I think we could do something quite extraordinary. I wouldn't want to do it for the rest of my life, but I would do it for a season or two if it was right. So, um, who knows? Maybe a decent sliders version will appear. Okay, well, last week, um, you know, people might remember that we went through the um, the run times for the new season of Game of Thrones. Well, supposedly those those times weren't actually from HBO, and HBO have now released the times. So, see, episode one is 54 minutes, and that's going to be the 14th of April. Episode two, that's 58 minutes. Now, what is different is episode three is actually going to be 82 minutes. Episode four is 78 minutes. Episode five, 80 minutes. Episode six, 80 minutes. So, um, yeah, you know, I think it adds a little time, you know, to the whole thing. Still a shame they aren't longer, but hey, still looking forward to the 14th of April to when all of this crazy. Well, actually, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to watch it on the 14th. Look, so it's all going to be done on the 19th of May. And that's when I'm going to start watching this. You know what I mean? I'm not waiting every motherfucking week for a new episode. But I'm going to try and avoid any potential spoilers. That might be problematic. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, in some other Game of Thrones news, but not technically Game of Thrones. So word is... Um, Miranda Richardson, uh, a British acting legend, um, she was in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and a whole heap of other stuff. She has got a recurring role in the um, the Game of Thrones prequel spin-off. So, um, you know, that's along with like Naomi Watts, Josh Whitehouse, Naomi Akul, Dennis Goff, Denise Goff, um, you know, there are other you know, major names in this series, Jane Goldman and George R. Martin wrote this, and 
Goldman is going to be the showrunner. So it'll be interesting, you know what I mean, to see to see what this actually is going to be. Who knows, right? Okay. Then also um like we 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 talked about the new Halo TV series that has been floating around in idea for a while, but it's never seemed to get off the ground. And the last um, but we heard, um, director Rupert Wyatt, who was meant to be attached as a showrunner, he had to lead the project. Well. It looks like things are moving in the right direction because Stephen Kane is now booked in alongside Kyle Killen as the co-showrunners for the series. Um, so basically, um, Kyle Killen wants to focus on the big budget projects and the US production elements and um, Stephen Kane will be on site in Budapest running the day-to-day elements of production but you know Killen will be there as well but just not as regularly so yeah I, I mean it's like, it's an interesting concept, Halo. You know, set in the 26th century, conf- a conflict between humanity and the Covenant. You know what I mean? It, it's like Master and Chief and all of that. It's, it's an interesting concept. And there's some animated films and, and minis. Like, there's a couple on Netflix as well, I believe. So, they all look very good. So it'll be interesting how like a live action version can translate and play out, you know, but hey, it looks like, you know, production is moving forward. So, uh, you know, maybe we see this towards the end of the year. Who knows? And finally, uh, I know my um, my friend Cindy's going to be probably disappointed at this but and Anson Mount who is playing Christopher Pike in season two of Star Trek Discovery is going to be gone by the end you know he won't be back for a season three uh, yeah he signed a one-year contract and the producers that Alex Alex Kurtzman is the showrunner. You know, he's um yeah, they're not not bringing him back. So, but what because what he has said is that um the plan is to synchronize with Canon by the end of season 2. So, uh, you know what I mean, that kind of ties into Pike being like you know what I mean on the enterprise and dying and all of that uh that we saw in the um the the reboot of the series with the films so everything is going to tie into those but this current season 
is taking place a few years after where the original series started so i think everything is like you know in coming together tying in and all of that but yeah that is the tv news that seemed interesting uh so that's us done for another week people um yeah you know i don't know man there's you know is who knows what the fuck's gonna come you know what i mean but hey i'm sure there's gonna be plenty of fun shit to talk about next week and remember tune into echo chamber tomorrow all right people take it easy peace